Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. Coming up on today's show, is Matt Olsen the real MVP? And what are some realistic expectations for Desmond Ritter? And last but not least, and for the culture, James Harden, man. God. Ah, hit the music. It's ATL Day Ones. Let's go. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. I want to start off by saying thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listener of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast and wherever you download your podcast. Make sure that you leave us a five-star review. Really appreciate that from you in advance. Today's episode of ATL Day Ones is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. ATL Day One is also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up in 10 minutes, what are some realistic expectations for Desmond Ritter? We'll talk about that. But first, we have to talk about this person that's sitting right next to me. And for those of you who are listening, the voice you're about to hear is John Michaels. Yes, John Michaels of 680 The Fan, longtime sideline reporter for the Atlanta Falcons. He's a play-by-play man for Oglethorpe University. This man is like 17 jobs we talked about before we got started. John, man, welcome to the show, man, and thanks for joining me today. Man, it's always good to talk to you, Jarvis. We saw each other at camp, catching up like old times. Uh, but it's always good to come on here. You and Tanitra do a great job every single day. It's obviously a great podcast and video to watch and listen to. And I'm humbled that you guys asked me to come on and grace the microphone for one day. Absolutely, man. Like you said, we go back since like your first day ever that 92-9 the game, man. Yeah. Like I'm telling you, man, you 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 ingratiated yourself to the building with that piece of man, and I'll hey. never and forever be grateful to you for that, my brand. See, you may not you may not remember the first time we actually met. I was drunkenly in a line at a club, and you were running the security at the door, and you yes. go, "I listen to you at 790. and I'm like, "Okay," and you know, I'm half I'm out of it, so I'm hugging yeah. whatever. And then the first person I meet at 929 the game is you. You're there. I'm there with Grant McCauley, and we walk in and have a good time. So yeah. My way to anybody's heart was always food, so it was easy to grab some Nancy's pizza. Uh, and you guys were like, man, we've worked here a year and had anybody bought a single meal, and it's your first day. And I said, look, I want to make a good impression. So here we are like 10 or 12 years later, and everything's still good. Absolutely, man. All love on this side. We really appreciate you for also you know, jumping in and stepping right in, man. I really appreciate you that. But I think one of the things that you know we could appreciate is Matt Olson. Oh. The way he's been stepping in and absolutely just killing it. Now, we know what Ronald Acuna's been able to do as far as his dude is on pace to do some ridiculous things that, like, he's been mentioned in the same name, uh, sentence as Barry Bonds. Right. And, but I think that when you think about Ronald Acuna, John, is Matt Olson at this point, given the type of tear that he's been on, is he ready to be put into that conversation to be nationally MVP? MVP along with Ronald Acuna? Yeah, he's got to be in the conversation now. Do I think he'll win it? Probably not. But if you look back a year ago, Aaron Judge hit 62 home runs. And as of last night, Matt Olson's on pace to have 60 home runs and about 145 runs driven in. Those are normally MVP numbers. But I love that you bring up Barry Bonds and Ronald Acuna. If Ronald's able to get to 40-40, which he's already long past the stolen base part. He's got over 50 stolen bases, and I think he's got 27 home runs right now, 26 or 27. If he gets to 40-40, go look at the history of the guys that have had 40-40. Barry Bonds was like 42 and 40. 
think Alex Rodriguez might have been 41 and 40. Jose Canseco might have been right on 40-40. And I think Alfonso Soriano might have had 40 homers and like 46 stolen bases. He might go 40-80, which is just <laughs> – and crazy. hit 340 at the same time. <laughs> yes. But to go back to Matt Olson, what he's done, he's almost making Braves fans forget about Freddie Freeman. And then Matt Olson, like you say, if he ends up with those numbers, he'll break – or the franchise record of Andrew Jones with the 51 home runs, I believe. You know, so when you have – you hear him being mentioned in the name and conversations like that, like you got to – he at least has to be in the conversation. I'm with you. I don't think he's going to win it because, like, you're talking about 40, 80. I think Ronnie's on pace to, for, like, 36 right now, 36 right. home runs right now. So, you know, if he gets on a little hot streak, he can kind of he – can, he can reach that number. And he, I definitely can see him – getting into that 80 stolen bases number because, you know, this dude, every time he gets on base, he's trying to go. Oh, yeah. He's and it's not just second. He'll steal third. Hell, if he can steal home, he'll take that chance. The other crazy part about that, when you think about what Ronald Acuna is doing, hitting 340, but teams no longer, or they never have been able to, but they can't pitch around him. You know, you had Ozzy hitting behind him. You got Michael Harris a lot of times hitting in front of him. He just does a little bit of everything, and that's what's right. made his year so special. But I love what Matt Olson's doing. We brought up a name, though, Freddie Freeman. And the problem is with the MVP voting, I think, one, Matt Olson and Ronald Acuna may, I'm not going to say steal each other's votes, but I think if a voter votes Ronald one, they're going to say, I can't have Matt number two uh, when Freddie Freeman's out there hitting the way that he's hitting. Yeah. So I think it's going to be really hard-pressed. I think Ronald's still going to win it, barring Matt going on a meteoric tear coming down the stretch. But I think it is a three-man race with those three guys to figure out who's going to bring the NL MVP home. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Like I thought, like what Ronald was doing, and nephew, and then the way he's doing it, you know how flamboyant it is. He just, right. he just loves being, you know, the attention from the crowd, and I absolutely love it as well. I call him nephew on this show. That's what we refer to him as, nephew Ronnie. But, so, so yeah, all, I think so. We become uncles now. We used to be the young bucks in the end. <laughs> right, we we can call people nephew because right, exactly. yeah, Ronald, Ronald is God. He's got to be twenty something years younger than me now. He could be my son which, again, right. tells you how old I am. But Nephew has done an unbelievable job, and I love the swag and the flair. Think yeah, about it. Remember, Jarvis, we were working together at, at the other station when the whole Ronald Acuna, he had his hat. Didn't he have his hat tilted sideways? And the yeah, staunch man. Braves fans got all upset. Oh, he needs gosh. to play the game the right way. It's like, dude, oh, shut gosh. up. We got exactly. a car here. Please, please shut up and please stop talking about our our our, our, our nephew because we will we'll put hands on you if you right. keep on talking about our guy. Yeah, Another he's um, got a gold chain on. Who cares? Hey, whatever. Have ten gold chains on. Who cares? Exactly, man. Man, rock that joint, man. Get some gold teeth if all I care. You know, you know, you know, you know. You from Miami? You know, yeah. For the only I don't know, John Michaels is from Miami, so he's very sure gold chains and and gold teeth. Uh, <laughs> Let's just. I, I will not confirm nor deny. Okay, I'll confirm. I had a I had a grill. I've had multiple grills. Of course you did. <laughs> like, of course you did. One of my Miami. one of my first grills. That's that almost got, like saying I got a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost like saying I went to one twelve and I lived in Atlanta. Exactly. Those, those things go hand in hand. I got a grill from the underground years ago. And how about my grill got stolen in Cancun? Because it was one, obviously, you could take in and out. And I w didn't want to go to lunch and eat it. And I mm -hmm. set it in one of the drawers. I didn't put it in the safe because I didn't think anybody would take it. Sure enough, a few hours later, I come back, my grill's gone. So I think somebody, one of the housekeepers in Mexico, realized I had some gold there and they were going to go melt it down and make some money. So that was Good one boy. of my first grills and it disappeared. I don't have it currently.
<laughs> yes. <laughs> well, a guy who uh, on the Braves team, that's uh, nephew's homeboy, he doesn't have a gold grill. Ozzy Albies, man, he's going on a 10-day IL. And uh, in a corresponding move, they have brought up uh, Vaughn Grissom. And to be honest with you, I don't really care to, for him to, to come up because Nicky Lopez has been absolutely killing it, man. That's a, I feel like I've already deemed him, John, the – one of those moves that Alex Anthopoulos makes. Right. Like one of those trade deadline moves, like, yeah, nobody's paying attention to this dude. Oh, yeah, it's just a little dummy move. And then next thing you know, this dude what gets eight hits and seven RBIs and <laughs> <in> two starts. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy to see what he's done. Remember, they had traded for Taylor Hearn for cash. Mm-hmm. And then yep. Taylor Hearn came in one appearance and just got and absolutely gone. <laughs> they were like, all right, we're gonna send this guy out. And somehow they convinced Kansas City to send uh Nikki Lopez over. I will disagree a little bit. I like Vaughn Grissom coming up. He's hitting over 350 at AAA Gwinnett. Yeah, he's killing down there. Yep. He's apparently cut down a lot on his errors. And remember, Jarvis, last year he did play second base for 45, 50 games when Ozzy was hurt. So mm-hmm. I think you bring him up with insurance policy and you say, you know what? Maybe if Marcel's having a bad day, you can DH him. Um, maybe if Nicky cools off, which he he's uh, invariably he's going to do that, you put him at second. Or maybe if Orlando Garcia needs a day off, you put him at short. So – I think it's a 10-day audition to see if Vaughn Grissom becomes a guy that sticks longer in the in the lineup. Yeah, I, I, I like what you're saying when you're talking about, you know, giving guys days off because at the end of the day, if guys are playing, it's a lot of guys playing every day, man. I know Ronald Acuna, nephew, he said he's, the, he's playing every day. And, like, I think the parades are probably going to acquiesce to that. Um, and Austin Riley, Matt Olson. You know, all those guys have been playing every day. So I, I think I like, I like the idea of having somebody that can kind of come in and say, you know what? You here's the day off, you know, take the day off and kind of, you know, hey, and, and let, let the youngster get a little run. Now, you know, the only thing, and we were, we've had this discussion on the locker room on 680 The Fan about do you start giving guys days off. Matt Olson, I believe, has the longest active streak in baseball as far as games played. I know when the guy, and God, I, I can't remember his name, he ended his streak at about five something two years ago. And at the time, Matt Olson had the longest streak in Major League Baseball at 200 and some change. Well, since then, He's played about uh, 190 or 200 and some odd games in a row. So I don't know that you take Matt Olson out. Hell, I don't need Marcelo Zuna. I know he's had some work at first base. I don't need him playing first base. Could you? Yes, maybe. But this offense is clicking so well. If guys are healthy and they want to stay out there, stay out there. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I I, I really like the fact that, you know, you have him as an option. But, Mm -hmm. like, if those guys want to play and they're doing well, now, if they were struggling a little bit, okay, hey, sit you down, give you give you right. a little time off. But you know that's not the case. You know, like we just talked about Matt Olson and how he's just been absolutely killing it. What twenty five home runs and sixty two RBI RBI since June fifteenth? Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, just yeah, that's, just, yeah, man. Find. I don't want to mess with that. <laughs> they, are, they are about fifty runs short, or they're on pace to be fifty runs short of scoring a thousand runs for the season. I mean, you're talking about an offense that's averaging in the month of August almost 7.9 runs per game. Pitching hasn't been great. Guess what? It doesn't have to be. You know, I looked at last night. Max Fried didn't have his best, but it was enough. He got you through six. And all of a sudden, you look up and Yankees fans are going, all right, we'll just go back to the Bronx. Which, by the way, how annoying are they showing up in Atlanta? Just Timberland boots, oversized Derek Jeter jersey. Oh, my God, I want my pizza. Whatever. Go back home. I don't even I don't even say their name. That's the, the other team in New York. Yeah, I, I like the Braves stomping their behind last night. So yeah, I don't even I don't even mention them 
on, on this uh, on this program. As uh, John, I appreciate it. Jarvis, I got to ask you, who's more annoying? The team that wears the blue hat with the white NY, the team that wears the blue hat with the orange NY, or the Knicks fans that'll show up at State Farm Arena and try to act like Trey Young hadn't given them the business every corner he's caught them on. Absolutely. Hands down has to be the Knicks fans. They are yep. so annoying. And like, I haven't wanted a thing. What's this? Willis Reed? What are we talking about here? <laughs> like, born when they won something. Right. Exactly. No, but nobody was born that are Knicks fans now that when they uh when they want last won something. So yeah, the Knicks fans hand down. I will say their name because I like making fun of Knicks, um, Knicks fans. Like, because, you know, like they're so like New York, but they ain't done. They ain't done Jack. But the you fact know, the that other they, team, they, yeah. they chant blank Trey Young uh, when they're not even playing the Hawks. Like, they've got a Tuesday night getting, game against Brooklyn. It's blank Trey Young. I'm like, Trey's not even here. What are you doing to my poor guy? Like, Talk about home. rent free. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. This episode of ATL Day Ones is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you a chance to win all season long. Yes, they're giving you this huge opportunity. I need you to take advantage of it right now. Because when you bet on the Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. So, hey, if you're rocking with the Falcons this year, if that's your team, or if you're walking with the San Francisco 49ers, I need you to go and bet on them to win the Super Bowl, and you're going to get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, all that, and much, much more. And you don't have to worry about anybody getting your information because the app is super safe, secure, and super easy to use. You don't have to worry about it. So here's what I need you to do. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn because it is the official sportsbook betting partner of the NFL. It is ATL Day 1s with Jarvis and Tanitra. Tanitra is, no, is not here. Not long, longer here. I'm not saying that. John Michaels is here filling in for today. While you watching online and listening on wherever you download your podcast, we appreciate you guys. Go ahead and leave a five-star review. Really appreciate that from you in advance. Now, the Atlanta Falcons are set to take on the Cincinnati Bengals, John, this Friday. And we know that all of the expectations coming into this season, what, the, what, it, what that looks like for the Atlanta Falcons, because we know that Arthur Smith has surrounded him with so many weapons. I'm talking about Kyle Pitts, you know, Drake London, Jonu Smith, even Bijan Robinson, obviously taking a running back in the top ten. We haven't seen that since Saquon Barkley. So they doing some. They will. They went out of their way to make sure that they're going to have enough weapons um, um, around Desmond Ritter to be able to be successful. So my question to you is: What are some realistic ex- expectations for Desmond Ritter as they going into the season? You know, the yardage part becomes hard because Arthur Smith has shown, even when he was in Tennessee and Ryan Tannehill had a couple of good years, they're going to run the ball. And when you have Tyler Algier, Cordero Patterson, obviously Bajan Robinson, you're going to run it first, second, and probably third. So I don't know where the yardage would be for for Desmond Ritter. I'd love to see 3,200, 3,300, somewhere in there, which isn't a lot. I know last year they only averaged about 190 yards a game passing the ball which in today's day and age of the NFL doesn't win you a whole lot. So 
get north of 200, whatever that means. I guess that would put you around 3,500 yards if you wanted to get north uh, of 200 per game. I want to see two-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio. I'd probably like to mm. see better than that. But just say I get 24 touchdowns and 12 picks. I'd feel pretty good in year one as Desmond Ritter being a starter if that's the numbers you get. Then chip in a couple hundred yards on the ground and maybe three or four touchdowns. Yeah, I'm I'm not necessarily you know really focusing on the yardage because here's the thing like if 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 you can keep those turnovers down like right. don't don't hold on to the football make sure you don't fumble that bad boy and then if you can get single digit interceptions I know that might be asking a lot but. I, I think that that was the, the Falcons' big issue last year with Marcus Mariota. You know, this guy, I actually said his name for the first time. I don't say his name either more. I used to say one. One just couldn't hold on to the football, and he just couldn't find a way to, to connect with Kyle Pitts because I feel like that was the other issue, right? Like, turn the ball over and then figuring out a way to get the rock to Kyle Pitts because it just didn't work last year, and I think that – we saw what he can do with Drake London in just those four games. Like they right. had a really good connection going on. So I, I think that if he can establish himself with Kyle Pitts, along with, you know, continuing that, that relationship that he has with or connection that he has with uh, Drake London, I feel like then he'll be cooking with some grease. Yeah. And then you also remember, and he didn't have uh Cordero or he had Cordero, but he didn't have Bijan last year. Kyle yeah. Pitts wasn't healthy. Obviously you just talked about that. Jono Smith becomes another weapon that we kind of forget about. Uh, and Mac Hollins, you know, Mac is built like he's built like he had he hadn't missed a day in the weight room. I mean, he doesn't wear any shoes, but he hadn't missed a day in the weight room because that dude's getting it in. And I think stuff like that is going to help. We all wondered when Terry Fontenot took over what the philosophy was going to be building the team. And we know how hamstrung he was with, with salary cap issues and everything else. But they decided, you know what? We are going to double and triple down on the offensive side of the ball. Three straight right. years you've taken skill guys at the top of the draft. Desmond obviously being a third-round pick is there. The offensive line is pretty set, save left guard, which we're still going to figure out in the next couple of weeks. For Desmond, it's really just don't screw it up. And I know yeah. that's easier said than done in the NFL, but when we were at practice, you saw the guy can make throws. He made some tight window throws mm-hmm. in some of the red zone drills, and I think that's going to help this team tremendously as they move into 2023. And that's the thing that I, I like about Ritter as well, because, you know, I wasn't that high on him coming out. You know, I was like, I was up here pounding the table for Malik Willis. And, you right. know, see how that turned out. But I, I think that the one thing that I really like about him is the fact that that dude is not scared to put it in there. And we know that, one, he was he was scared to put it in there. And if he tried to put it in there, he was going to overthrow the dude by – of four to five inches because right. I'm like, dude, you got six, four to six, five wide receivers. Why are you overthrowing them dudes by so much? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like get into the vicinity, give them a right. chance, give them an opportunity. So I think that that's the one thing that I really like about Ritter as far as like, Hey, the guy, he's not afraid to stick it in there. And I think if you, if you look at what Arthur Smith is trying to do and you know, with running the football and establishing in that, and then you talking about that play action game. I think that's where he's going to make his money. He, he's right. going to be able to make his money in those shot plays. If they can get somewhere in the middle of the league or the top half of the league, as far as uh, uh, twenty plus uh, yard games, chunk plays, I feel like that'll be something that will be a huge accomplishment for the Falcons because we know that they have the the weapons to be able to make to to be able to make those plays. And then once they get down into the red zone, then they have, they have to be able to capitalize. And you think about last year, the chances that you could have had making chunk plays and, and some of the philosophy 
that Arthur Smith obviously didn't trust his quarterback to make plays. The Tampa game, the one that had the horrible Grady Jarrett roughing the passer late that cost us a chance. Oh, gosh. They went on a 14-play drive. They were down either 14 or 21 points, and they went on a 14-play drive. They didn't throw the ball that one damn time. Now you have a guy that you can somewhat trust. And you obviously have said, look, I'm putting my eggs in the number nine basket. Desmond Ritter's got to be the guy. But with their ability to run the ball, and Jarvis, you played football more than I did. You know if you can run the ball, that play action pass, those safeties start coming up, coming up, coming up. You have to put eight in the box. And now you get a Drake London, a Kyle Pitts, a Matt Collins, Scotty Miller in the middle of the field, maybe a Bijan on a wheel route out of the backfield. And you get matchups where you can take plays. And that's where they need to add. The offense is good running the football, but you start adding some explosives. Oh, my goodness. The sky's the limit for the Falcons. Yeah, man. Like, as the more and more we talk about it, the more and more I start thinking to myself, I was like, how is this dude going to spread all of this around? Right. Which brings me to my next question. Like, are there going to be some guys just going to be left out on Sundays? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's going to be Sundays that Cordero gets five touches. And you're going to go, what happened to him? There's going to be Sundays that Tyler Algier – only carries the rock seven, eight times. There's going to be times Bijan only probably gets eight to 10 touches throughout the game or that Kyle Pitts. And I, I had a comment. I said, you know, I need Kyle Pitts to have 10 targets. And then I realized that's ridiculous because I think Travis Kelsey for tight ends might've had about 130 targets a year ago, which is right. only about eight or nine per game. And you're yeah, playing game, the yeah. best quarterback in the world. So 10 yeah. might be aggressive, but I need about six or seven every game for Kyle Pitts. And I don't care how it happens. For sure. Yeah, I mean, and that's and that's what you look like. I, I think there's going to be some priorities, right? Yeah, the, the guy who's the highest drafted tight end in NFL history. Yeah, yeah, you should you should give him the rock. You know what I'm saying? You should find a way to get it to him. So, and I think that that's going to be the beauty of going up against this offense on on each Sundays at one o'clock is the fact that these teams are going to have to really do their homework, man. You're talking about from a game planning standpoint because not only are you going to have to game plan for Tyler G or Cordell Patterson. Cordell Patterson, guy you can line up anywhere on the field. Right. And the younger, probably more talented version of that in B. John Robinson, you can you add him to the equation. Then you got these treetops on, right. on the outside and Drake London and Matt Collins. So it's a lot of moving parts, man. I'm very interested to see how Arthur Smith plays his bad boy out because I think this is going to be something that if Desmond Ritter, going back to Desmond Ritter, it always falls back to nine. If he actually does what he's supposed to do, he doesn't even have to exceed expectations. Right. If he just gets the ball into the hands of, of his playmakers, this has a chance to be a re- one of the top offenses in the league, I believe. Well, you, you talk about spreading it around. I go back to the Super Bowl year, and you were doing pregame show at that time, I believe, and working on the post right. game and everything else. I was mm-hmm. on the sidelines. Think about spreading the ball around that year. Matt Ryan threw the ball. 13, t- 13 different receivers caught touchdown passes. Yep. You had Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman in the backfield. Austin Hooper and Jacob Tammy before he got hurt at tight end. And Levine Toilolo. Muhammad Sanu, Taylor Gabriel. Can't forget Julio Jones, obviously. Absolutely. Uh, Aldrick Robinson. They had dudes that no were going man. to get the ball. But on Sunday, Kyle Shanahan found a way to keep everybody happy. And again, two, Matt Ryan had uh, an MVP year that year. And I'm not saying Desmond Ritter will do that. But there's similarities to the way, and I was watching Friday night when they played the Dolphins, similarities to the scheme from Kyle Shanahan to Arthur Smith, the outside zone, the bootlegs, um, finding like the deep over routes, stuff to take chunk plays. Those are going to be there. And and to your point, it does go back to number nine. He's got to come up with some big plays this year. Absolutely. Nine is going to be 
very it's gonna I, I could say it's gonna be probably a, a lot of pressure on him, but for him and kind of interacting with him, I don't I feel like he doesn't even really see it. He doesn't even know what what the type of the level of that he's gonna be faced with. So I, I think that's a good thing though. Um because like you said, he has the confidence of the general manager and Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith as well. So those guys have more than outwardly and just from a uh the way they've built this team said that, hey, we believe in you. You now you need to all you gotta do is just go out there and go do what you need to do. You know, and there's something about being a winner. And Desmond Ritter was that in college. He was a three-star recruit coming out, not overly highly recruited, won the job as a freshman at Cincinnati and was a starter for four years. He brought Cincinnati to a college football playoff. So the guy knows how to run. Now, right. Alabama kicked their butt. They're, oh, look how he did against Alabama. Guess what? Look how anybody did against Alabama that year. Uh, Alabama had one of the elite defenses of all time. But the guy knows how to win football games. It's not like he was playing with 10 five-stars at Cincinnati. He was playing with other three stars, and he knew how to win football games. And I think hopefully that translates into the NFL where he can go out and win some ball games. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I, I think that if he, like you said, the, the guys that are surrounding him right now, they're way more than three stars. Let me yeah. tell you that much. <laughs> that talent level is a lot better than what it was at Cincy. So I, I'm sure he's starting to feel that already as he goes into his um his first full season as the starter for the Atlanta Falcons. And we appreciate you guys for rocking with us and making ATL Day 1s your first listen of the day. Why don't you go ahead and drop a comment in the comment box? For all our everydayers, yeah, just say, hey, I'm an everydayer. Hey, Jarvis and Tanisha, I love y'all. Hey, Jarvis, uh, when is Tanisha coming back? She'll be back, I promise you. But, you know, my main man, John Michaels, is holding it down today. But, John... This is for the culture is the intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about because that's right. just how we get down on this show. Today is no different. Like when you think about like certain type of players, um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind when I hear the name James Harden, yeah, excellent score, all that stuff. But like what has he been known for? Like he's been known for, you know, the strip clubs, you know, kicking it with Trina in the finals, you know what I'm saying, which I don't blame him at nope, all. And I'm sure you're a Miami <laughs> Miami native. I sure you don't blame him either. Um, but, <laughs> but it just seems like this dude has been synonymous with, his name has been synonymous with, like, this drama, man. Like, he just le- recently came out and called out Daryl Morey, the guy who, who's been an advocate for him, like, to be on teams wherever he goes. He's called a man a liar. Like, what is going on here in Philadelphia, man? And how do you feel like this thing is going to end? One, James Harden, unbelievable talent. I think you laid out one of the great scorers in the history of the NBA. Also one of the most notorious chokers in the playoffs. He comes up very small. And to me, uh, when I first think of James Harden, it's a notoriously bad teammate. He quit on Houston. He, He forced his way out of Houston. Yeah. Um, he and some would say he fatted his way out, whatever he wasn't in shape, wasn't doing whatever he, he wanted to do. Now, in Philadelphia, he's there where he basically this is where I want to be. I want to win. And didn't he get his way out of Brooklyn, too? Brooklyn, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ran Everybody got out of Brooklyn, got their way out of Brooklyn. <laughs> I, I don't blame him. That went sideways in a hurry. I don't blame him. Yeah. I want to be with, Jan, with Joe LMB. We're going to do this, we're going to win, we're going to do it. And all of a sudden, you get to the offseason, and three months ago, you wanted out. Now you haven't gotten your way and you haven't got out. So now you're trying to figure out a way to get your way out. And you call the team president slash general manager, Daryl Morey, a liar. Now, Jarvis, I keep it real. You've known me a long time. 
Do I think there's part of it that Daryl Morey might be a liar? Sure. Absolutely. I think every general manager and team president. (laughs) I don't trust any of them, dude. They do whatever. None of them. (laughs) But what I do know is James Harden's not a guy I ever want to build my franchise around, especially at the stage of his career. Yes. I I think that's, you know, that's an unfortunate part because, like you said, the talent was is definitely there. You understand, like, this dude is probably one of the best scorers of this era. You know, and I'm not just, that's not not hyperbole. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of people will agree with me who uh, know, probably know a lot more about basketball than I do. So it's just just, uh, crazy that, you know, how we, you know, how we look at him and view him because of, like because of the, your own actions, right? Like you coming out here calling the president of the team liar and all that stuff, man. Hell, all that stuff behind the scenes. Be like LeBron, like just have it be a, a, a source report type situation. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, because at the end of the day, you can't deny that at at any point. Like from here going forward, like yeah, you called your boss essentially a liar. Can like, you imagine and that's, doing that's that? Never a good look, man. Yeah, can you imagine doing that in a regular job, whatever? And we all we both work. <laughs> We got great jobs, but we got regular. Can you imagine walking in and telling your boss openly he's a liar on video in front of a crowd? Guess what? You'd be unemployed. We don't have jobs tomorrow. Come on, man. Like it's 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 amazing the amount of power that NBA players have now. I love it because like I'm all about player empowerment. I'll always be on the player side. I always look at people weirdly. Uh, when when they side with the with the team in a lot of these situations when it comes to money, all that stuff, but like yeah, man. Like, it's just a weird situation, man. Real quick, before we get out of here, though. I'm I'm sure you're familiar with the whole Kiki Palmer Usher situation, right? Oh, of like, course. Like, where I went down? Yes. Of course. So, apparently, like, I don't know whose idea it was. It probably was Usher's. Mm-hmm. But the man got a song getting ready to drop, Jay, called Boyfriend. Oh, no. Guess who we got in the video? Kiki Palmer. Oh no! It didn't. It went the little. It got like one little drop in the little. It's like a seven second, seven second snippet. He said, "Somebody boyfriend looking for me." (laughs) Dude, dude, come on, Jay. Look, let's be real. (laughs) Usher is. There are certain people I wouldn't let my wife around. Usher's one of them. Yeah, I'm with John on that one. The fact that. Ushers is out here kicking it with the, the mother of your child. Like, man, you might well give it up, dog. It is over for you. It's not over for all the people that rock with ATL Day Ones and Locked On Sports Atlanta. We appreciate you guys. We love you guys for rocking with us Monday through Friday and downloading us wherever you download your podcast. And we're free and available on YouTube as well. If you guys don't do anything else with, the, with your lives, make sure that you share love, show love, and most importantly, spread love.